This is a Real Presence Radio News Link. Effective today, the bishops of the Diocese of Fargo, Rapid City, Sioux Falls, Superior, and Cheyenne have canceled public celebrations of the Mass until further notice. In a joint statement released last evening, Bishop Donald DeGroote of Sioux Falls and Father Michael Malloy, Diocese Administrator of Rapid City, said this decision is one of the most exceptional pastoral decisions they have faced, and its impact on the Catholic faithful of South Dakota weighs heavily on their hearts. A letter released this morning by the, bishop, the Diocese of Crookston's Bishop Hepner will cancel public Masses and communal services starting this Friday. Bishop Hepner says the invasion of the coronavirus provides us with an added reason for prayer, sacrifice, and charity, and encourages the faithful to continue attending adoration. And the Diocese of New Ulm has canceled marriage preparation courses for this Saturday and for April 4th. Contact Sister Candace Fear at the Family Life Office for further details. Our next RBR News Link is coming up at the top of the 10 o'clock Central Hour. Stay tuned now for Real Presence Live. Presence Live. It's this really powerful sense of, okay, you're seen, you're known, you're missed if you're not here. Local. It's that good crop of corn or beans or wheat or whatever it is that you do that, you know, you grow it, you grow it to the Lord, and if it doesn't come about, you just have to be patient and say, well, there's always next year. Engaging. Evangelization is the fruit of the love of God being poured into the hearts of Jesus' friends. Live. This is our charism, to be witnesses of Jesus' real presence in the Eucharist. Good morning, America! This is Father Justin Wolf. I'm Father Josh Wolf. And we are the Sons of Thunder! Alright, everybody, welcome! Back to the Sons of Thunder show, Real Presence Live. It has been a while. We would like to dedicate this show to our dear mother who we recently lost. We've been away for a while. Uh, But we are back, and we got one heck of a show for you today. Lots of great guests. We're going to be talking about what everybody's talking about, a.k.a. the coronavirus. And in our case, what it's doing to the faith and the lay faithful uh, but before we do any of that, let's invoke the the presence of our Lord in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, as we come before you over these airwaves, we ask you through the power of the Holy Spirit to guide our conversations to be present and to enlighten all of our guests, and especially us, your hosts. As we begin this show, we invoke the intercession of our Blessed Mother, and especially we remember all those who are suffering during this tragic time in our country and in our world as we pray together. Hail Mary. Full Full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now we uh, got a new name for this guy. It says Technical Director Preview of the Show. Give it to a straight technical director. I think it just means head button pusher, but I could be wrong there. But here's what's coming up on this morning's Real Presence Live. She's a dynamic Catholic speaker on fire for the faith and for vocations. We'll have the pleasure of visiting with Sarah Swafford. Then their foundation draws from the dynamicism of the new evangelization and the rich heritage of the Dominican order. Tune in as we visit with Sister Joseph Andrew and the, of the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, about her special order and the beauty of religious life. And then, later, coming up around right around 10 and 30 Central, we'll be praying a rosary for those affected by the novel coronavirus and for an increase in faith and hope in Lord, who is our only hope during this troubling time. All that and a whole lot more coming up this morning on Real Presence Live. Back to you.
Thank you, technical director, for that preview of the show. <laughs> and I believe that we have uh, Sarah Swafford on the phone. Are you on the phone, Sarah? Yes, I'm sitting here really enjoying listening to you guys. How's it going? <laughs> well, welcome to the Sons of Thunder show. We are really happy to We're, have you here. We are extremely happy to have you. We're a little, I'm a little bummed that Father Burns isn't, isn't with you. Uh, he's a I good know. buddy of mine from seminary. Oh, <clears throat> oh, not oh to, that's awesome! And we're and, and we're even more bummed that you're not here uh, in North Dakota. Yeah, in North Dakota for the Vocations Jamboree, which was canceled. Yeah, uh, usually recently. our usually our show is on Tuesdays, and if I remember correctly, there was some kind of a big something or another. Yeah, the Vocations Jamboree. Oh, okay. yeah. That's what he meant by Vox Jamboree. Yeah. Voc Jam. <laughs> They've shortened it to Voc Jam, but you. You and, uh, I call him Johnny, but Father John Burns are, uh, are very <laughs> dynamic speakers. So maybe you can just tell us, start out just by telling us a little bit about yourself and uh, maybe even what you guys were going to touch on at, at the Vocations Jamboree. Oh, uh, yeah. I know. It, it, was, I, it was one of those things where you're like, I have been looking forward to that event for so long uh, because Father Johnny and I are very good friends over the last couple of years. He's actually the godfather of our fifth child, um, our new John Paul, our baby, um, he's the godfather, so... Well, you're, you're also friends with uh, Father Craig Vosick, right? <laughs> we are. I'm friends with him through Father Johnny. So yeah, they're exactly. Good they're friends. good buddies. Yeah, so we lived over um, Benedictine College. I'm from Atchison, Kansas, so I'm down here in Atchison, and I live across the street from Benedictine College. My husband is actually a theology professor there. So um, every semester they send... Um, our sister school is in Florence, Italy. And so instead of staffing that full-time, they send over a professor and their family to teach the 50 students that go to Florence with them. So over in 2018 spring, we got to go over there as a family. It was just an unbelievable experience. Awesome. But um, Father Johnny was actually over there doing his doctorate in Rome. And so we just got some amazing time together. And he's like a brother to my husband and I. And it's just been such a wonderful kind of look inside the priesthood to have a close friend. I have a lot of friends that are priests. Um, my second boy, my second son, is named Fulton in honor of the priesthood uh, because <laughs> my husband got his doctorate at Mundelein, so uh, he did the pontifical degree there at Mundelein. So our only friends for a solid three or four years were priests and seminarians, like amazing guys. And so <laughs> I have friends all over the country that are priests and seminarians, and um, I just have such a love for and devotion to um, just like everything that the priests do. It's like unbelievable. And so my heart's just really heavy with all of this, you know, for so many reasons. I'm still kind of in shock about mm -hmm. the whole like canceling mass. I just, I, I haven't wrapped my head or my heart around it yet. You know what I mean? But, but what's been so hard is just all my priest friends who are just really, really struggling because they became priests to bring the Eucharist to the people. And so it's just a hard day. I mean, that's where Father Johnny is right now. Is he is they're doing a Eucharistic procession all the way around their diocese by car today, um, just to kind of pray protection over the people. And yeah. um, it's just beautiful. I don't know. I'm just so sad. I think we could talk for like three hours about just <laughs> what the heck. I mean, what the what is what we keep saying. This is not happening. It's just so unbelievable. You know, since my conversion in college, you know, mass has been such a huge part of my life and. It's just gonna be really strange for a while. Let's be honest. Oh yeah, and just, and just like taking nothing before. Yeah, taking it away. I, <clears throat> I was talking to a few friends of mine, and they were like, you know, I've I've never known a life where I couldn't go to mass. You know, I think mm -hmm. we take that take that for granted. 
so often right. and, and, until all of a sudden you're like, I just, it's not available. And, you know, and for the especially for the priests, too, I think that's kind of just really taken away from, you know, our, our vocation in the sense of, like you said, our ministry of the Eucharist. It's kind of like saying to married people, like, you know, take three, four weeks off or just, you know, indefinitely you guys are separated. <laughs> I think there's, I, yeah, I, I get it. I think there's an element to that. But on the other end, I mean, from my perspective, <clears throat> there's a practical and there's a spiritual end of this. So, I mean, if right. you tell me as a priest that, okay, there's no public mass, I mean, I'm going to, and granted, I live with two other priests, but we're going to celebrate mass together and I'm going to do my holy hour and I'm going to have a deep relationship with Christ like I do every other day. Nothing's changing in my life, in the life of the laity, on a practical level, we're having enough trouble right now just getting them to Mass. And all of a sudden now we have a, 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 you know, basically a national dispensation that you don't need to go to Mass anymore. And by the way, even if you do, it's not there. Uh, it, I think practically speaking, it's going to have either, and maybe spiritual might be another element to it, but either two, two implications. Number one, people are like, yeah, you know what, I didn't really need it anyway. Or number two, it's, you know, communist China in which people are sitting back saying, gosh, you know, I didn't know what I had until they took it away. And then we yep. have people in droves coming back. My yeah. practical, you know, and I, we're going to be talking about this, obviously, the whole show, but I'll, I'll be straight up and down with our listeners right now. It's, and I'm not, you know, mass is not about the collection. I'll be completely clear about that right now. But if you can do direct deposit in your parishes, the amount, I mean, you want to talk about a business that's totally dependent upon nonprofit donations. If you mm. don't have your Sunday collections, and if this thing goes through Easter, that an mm. Easter collection for any, for any parish is a good, I don't know, at least 10, maybe 15% of the annual collection. And so you mm. take away three weeks of Lenten collections where most people are coming more often, and then you take away the Easter collection, you're talking about a deficit 25, 30%, and there's a lot of maybe small town parishes, larger parishes out there that aren't sitting on a tremendous amount of savings. Not to mention the diocese isn't sitting after the decimation of the scandal, isn't sitting on tons of money to be able to support that. And so you're talking, I think, on a national level, maybe a global level, if it goes on too long, about a serious financial crisis within parishes in which they close. I mean, what do you do when you can't pay your bills? What do you do right now? This is what we're dealing with. Uh, with Catholic education, I'm the head of or, or the bishop's delegate for Catholic Ed in the Diocese of Bismarck, and we've been having long conversation. Your ancillary staff, right? So these are the people. These are your janitors. These are your cooks. These are your secretary. These are people that are not on contracts. So when you don't mm. have income coming in in your parish, how do you pay your ancillary staff out of something that mm. you don't have without letting them go? And that's just one, you know, my little parish, imagine, times the entire, you know, uh, conglomerate of the United States. So the, the, it's not just a matter, and I don't mean to be the non-spiritual guy here, it's not just a matter of people being unable to receive the Eucharist, which is bad enough. This is, this is a, a, a massive networking problem. It's a financial problem. It's a staff problem. And it, not to mention the spiritual sign. I mean, the Holy Father potentially this year, Sarah, is going to celebrate the Triduum by himself. <laughs> I don't, to my know, knowledge, that's never so happened crazy. ever. <clears throat> I know. Unbelievable. So, okay, let me ask you I this. Know, as a, so as a lay person, what does your gut tell you right now about spiritually? What What is God, in your opinion, try, I mean, you, you seem like a devout Christian mother and woman. <laughs> 
and wife. So, you know, what, what is yes. God and you're normal. So what is God, what is God trying to tell the world by allowing this? Cause we know nothing happens. I'm not saying he caused it, but he's certainly allowing right, right. this to happen. What do you, what, what's your gut feeling about the times that we're living in right now? Mm. Oh, I thought it was like a loaded question. I I'm with you on the whole, I cannot get over how many angles this is hitting. Do you know what I mean? Like, I are just hitting me at so many different angles. Um, so, as a mother, so I'm a homeschooling mother of five, and I have thir- well, fourteen down to ten months. So, my range of even trying to explain this has been really hard. You know, mm-hmm. like there's so many aspects of even just like what's going on, and right. you have like that kind of aspect of it is just as a mother, and then as a wife. Uh, that's one of the things that Father Johnny and I were actually very excited about talking about this at the Vocation January. We've been working on this talk for months. And so that's another sad thing. It's just like spiritually, you know, again, all the things that are being canceled. I had about six events that were on for March, April, and May that were that I've been preparing for, excited for, and they're all just canceled. Not per- not postponed, not we'll get to it this summer. You know what I right. mean? And I'm worried about these Cuban conferences. Like, those are probably some of the most beautiful, effective, I think, personally, effective ways that we get to our young people, um, focus conferences, Cuban conferences, you know, those kinds of things. Uh, there's just all this, like, are those just not going to happen? And then on top of that, you have, you know, all these people that are home. And, you know, in my perfect little world here, there's Wofford, you know, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, everyone is going to just, like, this is like a glorified snow day. We're going to watch movies <laughs> and read books. And, you know, I mean, in my little, like, world, I'm like, this is so great. We've got, like, two weeks off or whatever. You know what I mean? But then you start kind of working backwards and you go, I have friends. You know, like, one of my dearest friends, my maid of honor, is having breast cancer surgery today. And her, like, immunity, you know, her immune system is shot. Mm-hmm. So you got, like, and then you have friends, you have little kids who have, like, respiratory problems. And you have, you have a medical side of this. You have a spiritual side of this. You have a... I cannot, I don't know what life without the Eucharist is like. And I, I'm, I never really wanted to know. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't want to know that life. Like, I want the Lord with me at all times in the Eucharist. And, like, to not be able to receive Him, to, you know, so, so part of me is, like, glorified snow day. The other half of me is, like, there are teens. I'm very close. You know, I see about 60,000 teens and young adults every year. So I, I know for a fact that not everyone is having a snuggle-up snow day at their house. Like, there are some really broken homes out there. I'm going to get emotional just talking about it. I have friends who are elementary teachers who are like, I know for a fact these kids get their only meals at school. Like, I know for a fact, you know, and you've got kids that are going to be home in very difficult environments. And, you know, part of me feels like maybe the Lord, I mean, I don't wish this on anyone, even myself, but, like, wouldn't it be interesting if somehow the Internet went out as well? You know, because we basically are just going to have a bunch of families that are on their phones. You know, you've got, I was talking to a friend who has, you know, their AA and their sex, you know, sexaholic, you know, sexaholics anonymous. All of their groups aren't meeting. So now right. you have a bunch of people who have addictions that are in their houses with no accountability, with no friends, with no community. And so my heart is breaking on, like, a thousand levels. Like, I, you know, it's, it's just so, to be honest, as a, as a faithful lay woman, I'm emotionally, like, on a little bit of a roller coaster. You know what I mean? Like, I am yeah. still in shock. And then I'm also just like, okay, I'm trying to figure out, like, if we really went on lockdown, what are the, like, three, five things that, like, I went and got diapers yesterday. So I'm like, I don't, I don't ever want to know a world also with cloth diapers. I, I <laughs> and diapers. Those are two things that I'm just, you know what I mean? So, like, what is it that we really need to cling to? But I was actually 
talking to some friends uh, the other day, and this hit me really hard. But he said, one of my one of my friends said, "Here's the problem, Sarah. If you don't have faith and you don't believe in sin and 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 you know heaven and eternal life, if you don't believe in any of that, then health is everything." Because you have to be healthy to be able to live this life that you can wring every minute out of while you're on Earth because you don't believe in entail. So health is everything, and that's why everyone's freaking out. Because if you're, you know, if something affects your health, that's everything to you. Right. As faithful Catholics, I think for us, we have to say, Christian, where is your faith? Like, this is not the whole thing. This is not the end. This is not, I mean, we have to really cling to this whole idea of where are your priorities? And where are your, and we need to pray for the world and for the nation and for our leaders and for, you know, our spiritual leaders, because this isn't the end, but we have to navigate this and we have to get everybody. And my, my prayer is yours. You mentioned it earlier. Is like, I kind of pray that people sit on their couch and after 16 hours of their phone, they're like, is what, is this really life? Is this really all that there is? And like, I can't even go to mass. Like I want to, if for the first time, maybe in a long time, and I can't. Like, where are my priorities? Why is, you know, why am I skipping every couple of weeks? So why do I not go anymore? You know, you just kind of maybe just like a, a real self-reflection. You know, this is the lintiest lint of all time. I feel like this is the lintiest lint that's ever happened on a, a ton of levels. So maybe people that are far from our Lord kind of question maybe for a minute, what is this all about? And why am I so freaked out? And why is my health the only thing I care about? You know, things like that, like... Is there more? Amen. Right, and here's the kicker, though. <laughs> in that moment, so I'm going to compare that to like a 9-11 moment, right? <clears throat> and everybody's like, oh, my gosh, across the country, you know, what's life about? Where do I go? And they return to church. Only this time, there is no church. And further yet... Right you know, everybody's isolated. So one second, right. we're going to get right back to this conversation. We just want to thank everybody for tuning in to Real Presence Live. You're on the Sons of Thunder show right now. We are interviewing Sarah Swafford about the coronavirus. We were supposed to do a vocations jamboree, but obviously <laughs> everything in this country is uh, canceled. But the Sons of Thunder aren't canceled. We're here. We're quarantined. We're, we're quarantined. quarantined in the studio today, but we can get to you on the airway. I was actually to the gospel. Yeah, sir, I was wondering, you know, we can keep going with the conversation a little bit, but at the same time, like, what what were you going to talk about at the Vocations Jamboree? <laughs> and I know. Is, yeah. is there a possibility, you know, you're talking about the Internet, and, I, you know, it would be nice maybe if it went out because people could quit spouting off about all this crazy stuff that's not true, but, you know, is there a possibility that you could, you know, record uh, or videotape that talk and just get it, you know, throw it out by Twitter to all of the University of Mary students and I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, we've definitely been talking, Father Johnny and I were even talking about maybe doing something with Father Craig or something where we could maybe even interview, you know, sit around and chat about it, if not do some type of a talk, you know. Um, but I just, I feel like what's, what's so sad is, you know, we were going to talk about vocations and it, Father Johnny and I were like, oh yeah, great, we have one hour. To, I mean, we only need eight and a half. So like, how do we want to do this? You know what I mean? Like, because, I mean, there's so many, like, what are what exactly angles did we want to take? And you're sitting there looking at a ton of college students, you know, so their big questions are probably similar to some of ours. I mean, I, I came to faith um, at Benedictine. I had my conversion at Benedictine, but I was, like, a public school girl, and, you know, I, I was definitely faithful. I, we didn't have a youth group or anything like that, but, like, I remember being in college and thinking, like, I really don't want to mess my life up. Like, how, what if I choose the wrong vocation? Like, what if I, you know, you kind of, 
freak yourself out a little bit. You know what I mean? And then, and then on top of that, you're like trying to navigate dating and relationships and like, okay, what do I do with all these emotions, these feelings, these passions, these desires? What do I do with, you know, all this stuff is like, I don't know, sometimes you feel like you're assaulted with all of it. And then you're mm. trying to sort out what the God, what God wants for you amidst this like onslaught of what the world thinks you should do, what your parents think you should do, what your grandma thinks you should do. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, I have a career and success and so it's really interesting because Father Johnny and I, we're very, very in step with how we see things. And so it's really fun. Um, we kind of joke like, you know, we're very similar, but yet he's like, the, he sees it from one lens and I see it from another lens. And so it's really interesting to talk about vocation and to talk about it. So we actually were going to give our testimonies and just talk about how we kind of came to find our, our vocations and how similar yet different that is. And then also how similar yet different our vocations are. Um, so we were going to kind of go through some of that, and then we were going to hit really hard for her, the college students, just this whole idea of, like, um, Father Cadgerton Cuddy is a, is a good friend of ours. He's a Dominican, and um, he was at my kitchen table one time, and we were just sitting around and chatting, and all of a sudden he's like, man, vocation is not a puzzle to be solved. It's a gift to be received. And I was like, mm. I am feeling that, like writing it down, tweeting it now, you know what I mean? And and I thought it was such a great point because, like, I think a lot of people think that their location is like a Rubik's Cube. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm, like, okay, mm-hmm. change this, fix that, do this, do that, you know, change this, do that, pray, pray 16 hours a day. You know what I mean? Like, they're trying to figure out, like, what is the formula to make it all, like, lock in place. Amen? So I think that, I, you know, I do a lot with high school, junior high, college, young adult, theology on tap type events, and almost all of them are discerning a vocation. And figuring out, like, what am I called to? Um, but something that Father Johnny and I talk about a lot is just this idea of, like, it's your vocation. Like, every problem you have in your life right now as a single person, it doesn't go away when you get into your vocation. It's magnified, my friends. Magnified. So a lot of people are like, oh, well, once I find my vocation, I'm just going to be completely happy. Or, you know, I'm going to get married. This person's going to completely, you know, complete me, feel every, you know, worry, anxiety. They're going to be my total affirmation pack. Like, dude, this is going to be great. I'm going to get married and everything is going to be fine. And all of my problems are going to go away. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, oh, homeboy, slow down, homegirl, sit down. We got to talk. You know what I mean? Like. And even for the, you know, kind of like also I have so many friends that are priests and religious and seminarians and just, you know, listening to their stories and saying walking with seminarians, walking with guys that are discerning, especially we have a lot of students at Benedictine that we walk with. You know, and, and all of them, I just, we just plead with them. We're like, look, you have got to get a few things in your life in order before you even, you know, go down that road of like, I'm ready to date or I'm ready to go to seminary or I'm ready to discern, you know, blah, 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 blah. And those are like your prayer life, your life of chastity, your friendship, your, you know, healing, doing some healing from maybe your relationships with your family, your relationships in high school. You know, I think a lot of them are like, I am just going to plow through and I'm going to get to this location and everything is going to be awesome. And it's like, yeah, kind of, you know what I mean? It's like, there's a lot of work that you have to do. And so, so we were really going to go after that piece of like, what needs to be happening right now? while you emotionally spend so much energy thinking about what you're going to be doing here in the future or your vocation, like not only do we need you to look at that and look forward, but we also need you to be in this moment where you are really tackling your life of virtue, chastity, friendships. You know, can you be 
you know, that was probably the greatest gift my husband ever gave me. And I tell this story a lot on stage, even just like when I'm giving talks, it's like the greatest gift he ever gave me was he sat me down when we got engaged, looked at me and said, Sarah, I love you, but I'm going to fail you because I am not perfect and I can't be your everything. But I will always point you to the one who is your everything. I will always point you to our Lord. And I want to run with him and to him and to heaven. And I want to take as many people as I can with us. But I don't want to run at each other because I've seen that just go totally bankrupt so many times. Like, I want to run with him to our Lord. And I want to raise saints and let's go. Like, let's go. You know what I mean? Like, that was like the conversation that we had when we got engaged. And I just remember really being taken aback by that because it's true. It's like... You think you're going to find someone who's going to be your everything and is going to completely, you know, like take away every pain and, you know, never be alone and all these things. And, you know, I mean, if you if you do that to someone, you will crush them under the weight of that. You will, I mean, you can't, they, they can't be your God and you will always end up disappointed. Mm. Like that is just fact. And I, I preach it over and over and over again because I'm like, you guys, again, like everyone is looking around going, how am I going to be happy? How am I going to, you know, be able to do this? And the question is really, how do I want to spend my love? And who do I want to run with? <laughs> and how do I want to take people to heaven? Like, those are like the questions of vocation, amen? Like, how has God, you know, put this into my life and he's wired me a certain way with my gifts and talents and then he's given me these desires? And to be able to purify those desires and grow in virtue and grow in chastity and be able to really clearly hear him in prayer. How do you, how do you like, approach it? Thoughts. How do you approach it, though, with, you know, I mean, like, like I'm hearing you, and I, I agree yeah. with all of this, but, you know, from my perspective, and I, you know, I've worked extensively with, on the, on the secondary high school level, haven't done a whole mm-hmm. lot of university stuff, but what we encounter, I mean, and I, I've seen it at the university level, especially Catholic universities, there's like the group of people that, uh, you know, maybe have been raised with the words that you're using, virtue, vocation, uh, maybe have, to a certain degree, been exposed to this type of lingo. And for the record, they're like yeah. perpe- they're like perpetually discerning. Yeah. I'm the vocation director. <laughs> and so I'm just going to be them. straight up and down with you. A lot of the times they're weird, okay? And, and, yeah, and they sure. don't do justice to the rest of the conversion that needs to happen in the larger masses of people. Those are the people that, like, in the, in the normal, yeah. maybe it's abnormal from heaven's point of view, I don't know, but it's what we've been given. So how do you approach, you know, the, the, the regular, you know, dude that, that <laughs> you mentioned the word virtue to him or you start telling this type of story yeah. and he's going to turn you off immediately? How do you right. get him you know, back to mass or how do you engage him on a normal level where it's like, Whoa, you know, wait a second here. Like I, you know, I, this, this might be good for me versus like, like what we're dealing with with the coronavirus. They don't, they're not even listening to medicine right now. They're like storming the beaches of Florida, you know, because pleasure rules their life. And so, but those are the people that we really need to get. We don't. And if we get those people, I think you would agree with me that they are the most effective uh, means yeah, of evangelization that exists because nobody's right, going to yeah. listen to this other group. Nobody really even wants to be a part of this other group a lot of the times from the from right. the from the larger whole. So so how do you how do you engage those people? Right. Well, that's kind of um, that's like my heart and my life. You know, Father Johnny and I were were kind of laughing because um, we were asked to give two talks at you, Mary. The first one was Wednesday night, which was the vocation jamboree, and then the second night was Thursday night. And we were asked to give um, a talk at you, Mary, for almost kind of like a men's and women's night. 
Um, but we actually were going to, we were really hoping and targeting the athletes and some of the people that maybe that Father Craig has been working with and, you know, that came very, kind of some people maybe that aren't part of the, you know, the kind of Catholic Center crowd, but like kind of really go off for the fringes and then like the, you know, kind of go get some people. And, um, and we were actually going to give a talk, a joint talk together. And then halfway through, I was going to take the men and, and Father Johnny was going to take the women and, and give a separate talk. So I was going to speak to the men and he was going to speak to the women. Um, and this is just something that, you know, I joke and I think you guys will understand this, but I love like people, when I hear I do relationships, they hear I do, you know, chastity, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, so you do women's ministry. And I'm like, Actually, I think, you know, my, I love doing men's ministry and that sounds really funny, but I always say the women are treading water and the men are drowning. Mm. And I think that there's just this element of like, I have, every time I do an event for a youth group, it's like 75 girls and like 10 guys. And I'm like, okay, so what, how exactly is this all going to go down? And then on top of that, I have a, a love for the priesthood. And so it's like, how do we get these guys, these 10 guys, where are the other 65, first of all? And then on top of that, how do we, like, kind of like you said, like, how do we get their attention? We can't even get them, you know, I wrote my book, Emotional Virtue, because I had done so much ministry. I was like, look, if you're on the God Squad, I can give you 50 books that'll change your life. But how do I get you to even read one book? Like, how do I, what is that gateway drug, if you will, to get you to even, you know, that's why I wrote my book, Emotional Virtue, because it was like, there's nothing for anybody that's like, doesn't care. You know what right. I mean? Like, I don't yeah. care. Why should I care? So, I mean... I gave a talk. I have a lot of hope, and here's here's what I would say to your question about like how do we go get those guys? You know, um, I have in my talk. I will never give a talk without talking about the cycle of youth, and it's something that I saw firsthand in my life. It's something I saw firsthand in ministry when I was in the dorms. It's something I've just been witnessing, and it's so powerful. I can't even tell you. I wish that I, everyone knew like the thousands of stories in my head of where this has come to play. But the, the cycle of youth is. You know, this whole idea of, like, men will use women to get what they want, and women will use men to get what they want. Fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I, I actually walk people through, like, a time in your life where you've been used, either emotionally or physically, or maybe even both, and you knew it. Or a time where you watched your best friend or your sibling or someone you love be used, either emotionally or physically or maybe both. And I, I walk them through this, like, like I have them, like, close their eyes and, like, think about a time, and it's really powerful. And then I teach them two sentences. I say, look. Repeat after me, I will not use you, and I will not let you use me. Like, I want you to put these sentences in your back pocket. Like, this is where we're at. And, I, and again, this is part of a, a bigger, you know, hour of my talk, but this little, like, five minutes where I go in after just, like, this idea of use and this idea of, like, people have been hurt. You know what I mean? Like, and you have girls and guys that will, you know, kind of look at me, and they're just looking at me like, I have never thought about what I do as using someone. You know what I mean? I have never thought about me that I've actually been used before. Like, I've yeah, never even thought I, about that. I would see where that would be effective. Like, you don't think about you using somebody, but if you have been used, <clears throat> and that is yeah. a common word in, you know, the larger group that we're talking about. So right. That must, so yeah, I, I can, I, that connects with them. Yeah, so what I'm trying, I, I mean, again, I wish we had, I wish you and you guys and I had eight hours to talk about this, but, like, the, really quickly, what I try to do in my talk is take through humor, through being normal, through being fun, through, like, telling jokes, like, getting them to kind of understand, like, look, I know where you're at, and I'm, you know, and it's, like, it's okay. You know what I mean? Like, we're, I know where you're at. I know you don't care. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't say that, but they kind of get that, they get it, you know? And then being able to walk them through, and I don't, I mean, I, I don't, I say virtue, but, like, I give so many practicals of, like, what does this actually look like? You know what I mean? 
And so I really, with my guys, you know, at SEEK, the SEEK conference in 2019, they asked me to give a, a breakout talk and for the men. And I was like, what do you want me to talk about? And they're like, whatever. You just do whatever you think would be good for them. And I'm like, okay. So I was like, maybe, you know, I was like, maybe like 500 guys will show up to this talk. I don't know. And uh, I walked into the auditorium and there were over 3,000 guys in, the auditor- in this auditorium. And the title of my talk was like The Gentleman's Guide. And it was like, how to pursue a woman in the 21st century. Mm. So I basically hooked them on this whole idea of like, oh, this is how I'm going to be a girl. And then like the entire talk was on how to be a man, but I never once said that. It was all through story and me explaining like the differences between men and women. And, and there was a point in the talk, and this is what gives me such great hope. Again, the guys in this room are not your typical guys that, that would be at the vocation jamboree. Like these are the guys that, you know, there, there's, there's a pulse that came to the state conference, but they're a lot of frat guys it's a lot of greek guys it's a lot of athletes it's a lot of guys that just came for a free trip you know what i mean like it's yep, a cool yep. it's a cool group but there was a normal people i they're normal people they're normal guys and again i don't think they knew what i was actually going to talk about but there was a point at the talk where they i've never seen it before in one of my talks but i got going i don't i couldn't even remember what i said i had to go back and watch it on youtube because i don't i didn't remember what i said but they got up and they started like cheering and howling and barking and the only thing the man is like a guy's thinking, you know like they got up and just started going nuts and i was like what was that like i could kind of tell the energy in the room was just, they could have ran through a brick wall and i yeah. was like what did i say like what did i say and so i went back and watched it and it was a point where i said this i said look all of you want to ride in on like this you know, as the knight in shining armor you want to ride in on this horse and you want to like find this, this damsel in distress and you want to like rescue her and throw her on the back of the horse and like ride off into the sunset. Like you want that. But here's the problem. The women are not damsels in distress. They're kind of hanging out waiting for you to show up. But here's the deal. I, I like, I need you to slay the dragon, but it's not, the dragon is not what you think it is. I was like, the dragon is you. It's the immature, you know, you know, not predator. virtuous, lazy. Yep. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, they're all like, in their twenties. The they're all predators. <laughs> So, it's the person that I need you to slay that dragon. And they right. went flipping nuts. <laughs> so, like, the guys just need, I mean, they want to be encouraged. I have so many guys who are like, I just don't know what to do. And then once they start this, get kind of this, again, us walking them through what is virtue, what is chastity, what is purity, what is, I mean, again, and I don't use any of those words. <laughs> because, Sarah, like you said, they Sarah, don't know what they are. we got to cut you off because we're going to break. But I'll tell you this. if th- This is what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, that last little segment there, I think that, I, you know, this yeah. is what men and women need to hear. And I think it's out in the major majority of the what we would call normal people out there. And I, I, I don't think a lot of Catholic ministry is reaching that. Instead, we're confined many times to just the little group of people that like all the fluffy language that we use. But thank you for being on today. Yeah, uh, I want to have you back you. on. We're, we're going to pick this conversation up later. Up next, we are talking about the beauty of religious life. Sister Joseph Andrew, Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, is on fire for her vocation. She and others will share some advice. If you or someone you know is considering, uh, oh, I don't know, this is all cut off here. On my list. So <laughs> anyway, religious life. Yeah, religious, religious life. life. You've got to guess and fill in the blank here. All right. But anyway, we're going to have a great show up for you. But right now, we're going to break and we're going to be right back. Thank you very much. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network.